This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check out The Rope Trainer today. As always, special thanks to my good friends Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, and, of course, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz for their belief in our show and our ability to reach so many people as they learn about The Rope Trainer and what it can do for their player today. Uh, save those bullets, folks. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, – all this overuse doesn't have to be uh, we can make better decisions both as coaches, parents, trainers, and, of course, uh, people that have influence. So uh, please check out theropetrainer.com today. Well, I'm um, going to talk a little bit today um, about where we sit currently. Now, um, for for the purpose of this show, it kind of deals with what I would call the majority of baseball players that do not have the option to play outside year-round. Um, and are, you know, are doing are doing so uh, in that traditional sense of, you know, you play baseball and then you take some time off. Now, I know that over the years, I mean, not even over the years, it's been going on for a long time in other countries where, you know, where the weather's right and kids play baseball all the time. And that's a debate right now that people like to have. That's not what this debate is about. What this debate is about is about preparation to begin playing the game of baseball at whatever level that you play. Um, the reason I thought about this was because I've had people ask me about this before, and we talk about it, but uh, it's happening right now in front of my eyes, so I thought, you know, I've, I've had people that have told me they just don't think it's necessary or they don't think it's a good idea to do this, and I've always kind of wondered why. So I thought I'd bring it up today to get some thoughts from you guys as well. That thought is, as we enter, you know, and, and where we sit, for instance, in the Midwest is college baseball is getting ready to start. Uh, high school baseball is getting ready to start having tryouts. Uh, youth baseball, I mean, the tournaments, I mean, it's a business, right? So the tournaments have started earlier every year. I mean, it used to be, you know, when my first son was around, it was, you know, if you played in a tournament in March, you know, it just, it was an outlier. And now there's tons of tournaments in March. And, you know, if you're the kind of team that doesn't want to start until April, you're, you're behind, quote, unquote. So, uh, but what the interesting thing is, is going over um, my son's preparation for his high school baseball season. And somebody had asked me yesterday because we were looking at the schedule. And they said, well, when, it, when, are, when are tryouts? I said, well, I, I don't know the exact date. It's always like right at the end of February. So I'm assuming there's something to do with the – uh, Illinois High School Association has probably has a date, right? Like maybe it's February 28th. I don't know. but Or maybe it's that week or whatever it is. But the bottom line is is it's set up that way so that they can get together, they can begin, and then they can start because they only have a, you know, a, a certain window to play games in. Well, um, you know, they do a thing here called Meet the Tigers, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's March 9th. And if I'm not mistaken, that, that would be nine days after – baseball starts and they basically scrimmage for like four hours and um somebody looked at me yesterday and they said they do that after nine days and I said well yeah why and they were like they start facing live pitching in only nine days and I just kind of casually said back to them they'll face live pitching before that and he's like well what do you mean I said they'll get together and work out and do stuff but they'll go live right away he's like oh man that seems kind of crazy I'm like well what do you mean crazy He's like, man, don't they need to work out for a while and do? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, you're at a time now in baseball where the, you know, most players have been working out and both physically uh, on their body and then working out on their game. You know, they've taken some sort of swings, whether it be front toss, BP, whatever. But it also got me thinking that, you know, a lot of these kids, and I know my son is getting ready to to spend the next two or three weeks when he's hitting with the guys he hits. They're going to start facing live pitching. And I've talked to a lot of youth coaches about this, and I thought I'd bring it up today because it seems to be kind of a taboo topic. And I hadn't thought about it in quite some time. I don't think about some of these things until we I have a discussion. But I do remember back to when I coached, 
of the first team that or my older son. I, and I was just I didn't coach that team. I helped. I coached my younger son's team and my older boys team. We never did that because the couple guys just didn't. They thought it was a bad idea. And their whole premise was we don't, you know, our pitchers need to get dialed in and uh, we don't want them hitting our own batters. And then, you know, in a in a tunnel, it just feels like you're going to get balls hit right back at the pitcher in a tight environment. You know, it just feels – and I get that, right? But, you know, sooner or later you got to go out there and do what you're going to do in the game. And the sooner you start doing it, I, I found that it, it helps. So with my younger team, we always started going – I mean, I always started having my guys pitch – to themselves and I think at first there were some parents that thought what are we doing and I, I just I don't know I just it's just always the way that I thought you should do it so I just thought it was an interesting conversation of I know you know we go in the cage and we hit off tees and you know then we take some front toss and if you know and I, I admittedly am an awful batting practice thrower so like the kids that I help I you know I feel bad about I actually have my younger son come and throw BP some to him before the season starts cuz I feel so bad cuz I don't throw BP but um you know it just I I'm just sitting there going if you're not going to do something well then I you know how you look in a cage or how you do in a non-competitive situation I'm sorry folks but that's just not going to cut it. So, so then I start adding into the equation that, like, for instance, my son is going to a uh, his first PBR event, which is a basically a it's like a for for those of you that that aren't familiar, like if you're familiar with Perfect Game, it's a showcase. And it just you know it just it the whole thing kind of comes full circle with the stink on it of, to me of you know being good at non being good in non competitive situations, folks, just isn't going to get it done. But it also made me think about this. Being good in competitive situations doesn't just get it done either. That's why there's a blend of the two, and it's it's amazing to me how they all roll into one. And I'm going to tell you what my you know where I come up with this theory, and my thoughts on the whole thing, and and how we can do it better here in just a minute. Uh, I want you guys to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. First thing I'm going to ask you to do at, uh, on our website there is there, there's a little banner that says subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to ask you to do that. Uh, if you're doing shopping with Amazon, which, you know, I, I'm assuming, judging by the numbers out there, 75% of the people listening to this show probably shop on Amazon. Uh, if you would shop through our website, we get a very small referral when you click that Amazon banner and do your shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And once you click that banner, you, you know, you go right to Amazon, you're done with us. And it just helps us. Uh, my producers, Brian Crock, Andrew Allen, do so much work. And that's kind of where that, that pool of money goes to take care of them. So I would greatly appreciate it if you guys would do that. Social media, if you would find us on Twitter, we are at Podcast Baseball. Uh, I love Twitter only because, you know, I have a ton of followers and I follow a ton of people. And I get a lot of content out of there. I love the conversations. It's a great way to reach out to people, great way to meet people. So um, really, really interested in, in hearing from people. Uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, I want to make an announcement here. I am looking for people that would be interested in being a part of youth baseball talk from a blogger standpoint. So if you're a writer or if you have writing skills or you have aspirations to do so, if you, if you're a blogger and you love the game of baseball, especially on the younger side and you would love to be involved, I'm looking for people that would like to write under our youth baseball talk banner. So um, if you're out there and you're listening, DM me through Twitter again, that's at podcast baseball. If you follow me and I follow you back, you'll be able to DM me. And and like I said, if I you know if you if you, if you love baseball, I'm going to follow you back. So uh, Facebook, same thing. Youth baseball talk. I'm going to ask you to type that in the search bar, like our page, click invite your friends, and get them involved as well. We would greatly appreciate it. We come to you from the LineUpMedia.fm studios, uh, home of Yo Radio, the newest online uh, streaming platform. You guys can download that for free on your mobile device. You guys are going to love it. It's awesome. Uh, new stations coming on board every day. Great music. Uh, there's going to be some training stations on there as well coming up that we're working on with other people. So make sure you download that today. It is free again on your mobile device. Um, you know, I, I, I love to have these conversations like I have today with people. It means a lot to me that I've been blessed to be around so many people that are really good at what they do. One of those guys that I love to bounce stuff off of is Kurt McNabb from Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Uh, you guys are loving his episodes on here. You're loving his content, his, his commitment to the show. It's not hard to see why. He's a very passionate guy that loves what he does. And in the end, in the end 
you know, if you have a passion for this game and the people that you work with have a passion and they give as much or more than you do, that's what, that's how you build respect. That's how you have confidence in people. It's just, it's real easy to understand why people have gravitated towards uh, Kirk. So uh, let's hear what he has for us this week on our rope report brought to you by the rope trainer.com and all of my friends at dirtbag baseball nation. Take it away, Kirk. Thanks, Jim. Welcome to this week's rope report, dirtbags. Um, Obviously, we got the Super Bowl over. Uh, not a lot of action happening there last Sunday, but uh, hey, kudos to uh, Bill Belichick and uh, Tom Brady. Like them or not, they are machines, and um, I look at them as exactly what we try to do here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. You know, their their mindset they they've got a game plan, and they understand mentally exactly what they want to do and how they want to execute it. So. Hey, hats off to them. Uh, six time in 18 years. What can you say? Okay. All right. Uh, having said that, football over, spring training right around the corner. So, uh, hey, uh, if you're not loving life right now, <laughs> you're missing out on life maybe. Uh, so uh, let's get after this week's uh, rope report. Uh, hopefully from last week, if you heard, uh, it was on uh, why, why not, and I wonder why. So hopefully you've started uh, – changing your mindset and living that way and, and, and starting to ask those questions every day of uh, yourself as a baseball coach, a player, um, but just in life in general, asking those questions to evolve. And, and in order to get there, you have to have an open mind. All right. Uh, you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to, to at least entertain the possibility of new things. Okay. And that wants to, and that's going to lead me into this week's, uh, conversation that I want to be having so um, like always I can't thank all of you enough for uh, reaching out to us uh, here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation on, on the Rope Report every week and and following up and, and creating a dialogue but uh, there was one this week uh, Coach Scott out of North Carolina had reached out to me and uh, so we had a dialogue and I'm, I'm going to go over a little bit of it and stuff and because it, it reminded me a little bit of what what you may be missing out on as a listener and stuff like that and unsure about of of me or really what we're trying to do here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation as well. And and when I say to call or reach out. So hopefully we can go through that and uh, it, it'll free up. But we'll start a different type of a dialogue as well because I was really excited about our conversation with Scott. Uh, and again, it, it, I, I congratulated him like I do with everybody for being open-minded enough to reach out and make that contact, you know, let's discuss. He wanted to talk about the rope trainer and generally wanted to talk about throwing and uh, youth baseball. And and he was working with uh, seven-year-olds is uh, where he was. So, you know, where he dialogued with was, is there any information out there that specifically to, you know, nine and under, really all night age. So really what I want to try to do with that, uh, if you're listening, Dirtbaggers, and you know uh, any information that you can pass along, please send that to me at info at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, Kirk McNabb, obviously, info at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and, and pass that along to me. And, you know, don't just give everything that you have. Don't 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 give anybody, you know, I'm not a big guy on, on anybody that's trying to promote just sales and stuff like that. If it's great content and valuable stuff, Send it to me because that's a big thing of what we want to do. And you're all part of that. For listeners, you're part of the nation. I want to grow that nation. And, and this is what we want to do. We want to, we want to build that network of strength and, and being able to pass it on. So if it, if it can come through me, then it comes through me and stuff like that. But you're all a part of that journey. So if you have that, please send that to me and we'll get that off to Scott and give him some uh, great stuff. Um, but what I reminded him when we got talking live was that, don't fall into that trap of it's it's house league or it's local league baseball that you're coaching or it's rep or it's travel, elite, college, high school versus youth. Don't fall into that trap. At the end of the day, it's baseball. It's baseball. So coach it properly. Coach it right and, and start building that mind to make the physical make sense and the emotional. It's baseball. It's not a designation, but we've fallen into that trap, and we've got to get rid of that mindset. We're coaching baseball. So when people talk to me, they go, oh, my God, you, you, you do that with everybody? I said, I do that with everybody. When a college kid comes to me for throwing, I break him down exactly the same as I would a seven-year-old. There isn't a difference because I know probably after I've seen them, I see them first, 
And then I start to break them down on based on what's required from that. But a lot of it is broken down. So every thrower starts from the same position. It doesn't matter from the same stage. All right. So don't fall into that trap. All right. Then he wanted to know about the rope trainer usage and stuff like that. So really what I had said to him was that let's talk and it makes a lot more sense. So we spent an hour on the phone dialogue and stuff like that about a variety of stuff. But I said, no use talking to you about how to throw or what to do until until you understand the components that are necessary. So that's what we talked about. And we went over them to make sure he understood and he was comfortable with those components. All right. If you're not comfortable with understanding what's needed to do, how can you pass it on and coach it? But when you're comfortable then you're relaxed and you bring it across in a calm, easy demeanor for the, the people that you're teaching to be able to grasp it and, 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 and embrace it. And it takes your anxiousness and stress down. Okay? Some players get it, but you understand. Some people get it at different stages. Same as coaches get it. But if you're not open-minded, you're never going to get it. Okay? So let's stay on that. Then afterwards, the day after, I sent him a follow-up and said, now you can start working with the rope trainer based on the information that you have. But I kept it short and I kept it simple. These aren't one-time conversations that I have with these people when they reach out to us. It's multiple conversations over a period of time to keep increasing their knowledge. Okay? So, again, I want to get back to what we are. This week I had on Instagram, get up, get after it, and get dirty. Well, let's be honest. We got to get up every day. We got to get up every day. So embrace it. Embrace what you want to do as a coach. Embrace what you want to do as a player. Embrace what you want to do as a parent. Okay? And go get that. Start making it happen. But how are you going to do that? Well, you got to get after it. You've got to get after it. Build your awareness. Be open-minded. Increase your awareness. Find people that can help in that process. You're not alone out there. Reach out to us. I can't stress it enough. Reach out to us. Don't be afraid. Let's build this nation. Let's build this network and have fun doing it. All right? And then roll up your sleeves and get dirty while doing it. That's the fun part of the hashtag, get dirty. Get after it, man. Get dirty. Roll up those sleeves and be a dirtbag. But do it right. Do it right. Build a trust network of people that are in the journey with you and that you want to be in the journey with. Build that network. And when they're not, Give them a reason why they're not. Don't shy away from them. Ignore them. Go ahead and say, hey, you know what? You're not doing it right. You know what? You're looking at negatives. You're preaching negatives instead of positives. You're, you're, you're closed-minded. You're ignorant. You know? Stop. Our job is to be better. Be better and build a network of people like that. And that's what we want to do here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. So again, it was good for me to have that conversation with Scott this week because it reminded me I need to keep preaching what we're doing. And what I mean by that is I followed it up at the end and I said, Scott, if you don't mind, like I do with everybody that reaches out to me, I said, how long have you been listening to uh, the Rope Report and Youth Baseball Talk? He says, oh, about a year and a half. I said, and how long did it take for you to reach out to me? He said, probably eight months. Took me eight months to get confident and comfortable to reach out. I don't want any of you to do that. I want you to reach out. I'm here to answer and talk about that stuff. That's what we do. That's what we love to do and live to do. And if I don't have the answer, man, I'm going to try to use somebody in the nation to find out that information. Just like I did when I asked you, if there's any of you out there listening, I have information on youth baseball that we can pass on to Scott and help him out. Hey, you know what? Send it to me and we'll get that on to him. That's what a great nation does, and that's why I called it a nation, because we're all in this journey together. So let's get up. Let's get after it, and let's get dirty while we're doing it and have some fun. You all know you can contact us and back it up. Sorry. Let's follow us at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. You can follow us at Dirtbag Baseball Nation on Instagram and or Facebook, and I'm on Twitter at Dirtbag Nation, the number one. Dirtbag Nation, and the number one. All right? You can reach out to me right now at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com with any inquiries. And you can text me or call me directly 
That's what Scott did and among the others that do it. Give me a text and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And let's build the best you possible, whether that's a coach, whether that's a parent, or whether that's a player. Let's get this done. But it was a good reminder for me as well, like I said, that I need to keep preaching what it is we're trying to do. Jim and Youth Baseball Talk and Lineup Media, give me that form as well as the boys at the Rope Trainer. Allow me the form to get out there and help out there. I understand what I'm doing is really different. And Scott reminded me of, again, as many other coaches have. It's, you're different. You're, you're, your mindset. And we are still in the process of train them physically and train them physically only. No, we've got to change it. And when we have that conversation, it'll make sense to you. And you'll start really, really embracing the journey. Trust me on that. So please reach out to us right now. Let's make this nation even better than it is. And we'll go from there. Can't thank you all enough. And you know what time it is. It's time to get dirty. Great stuff from Kirk. And again, uh, you know, you can Google, you can, you can check him out. You can listen. He loves to be contacted by people. I, he had sent me something actually this morning saying that, you know, you know, more and more people are reaching out to him and, and asking him stuff about his segment. So you know, I like to get those things and I do. And, you know, I don't, I, I've always, I, I guess I've always been able to just realize it is what it is. You know, people contact me about the things that people talk about on the show. I don't know if they feel like they shouldn't contact those people or if it would make them look uneducated or, you know, I hate the word dumb or stupid, but I think people feel that way sometimes and or they're not worthy to talk to some of these guys. Cause, and, and, and I know these guys are busy, but, and I'm happy to have those conversations, but there's a reason why I have some of these guys on the show. It's because they're experts. So um, feel free to always reach out to them. It's never been easier with, with Google and the Internet, I promise you. But um, so, yeah, Kirk, thank you. And, of course, everybody at The Rope Trainer, theropetrainer.com. Check it out today. All right. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the reason I come full circle in this thought process, for me personally, is because sooner or later, you have to be a doer. So, you know, I've, I sit around like everybody else, and I know so many kids in the area and so many families and so many people. And let's face it, you become a community, right? And if you're involved at all and you're knee-deep in it and you work with a lot of people, people want to have conversations with you about kids and what you see or what you think. And, and, and I think that's great, and I love it. But I, just like everybody else, have conversations and start talking about kids based on what I see in January and February. And the reality of it is none of that's done on a field. It's all done in a cage or in a big open space. Now, does that, does that mean that what they do and how they do it is no indicator or indication of what you, what they're a going to do and what you be think they will do? Of course not. It's all relevant and it's all important too. So it all makes sense when it comes to that. I, I fully believe that. But, you know, I've said a hundred times over, and you, you know, all of my listeners out there have probably experienced this at least once. And if not, let's face it, thousands of times. Baseball is cruel. Okay? You can work really hard and see no results on the statistical end. And I love Steve Springer because he always brings up, we've got to quit monitoring how we, how we gauge success and failure. And I do agree with that. You know, um, you can help the mental side of a kid by making them understand. Like we as parents, and I, I see it all the time, coaches, parents, you know, we, 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 we feel like striking out is such failure. Well, number one, making an out is making an out. Um, you know, sometimes a long time ago it became so taboo to not strike out and it become like a, a thing. We, we, we termed success as making contact and not making contact, success and failure. That's, it's just not true. Uh, it feels that way, and I can understand it, but we got to stop with that mentality, right? So all across the board, the way we look at these things and how we perceive them has a lot to do with, with where we find the word success and failure in their relationship to baseball. Well, when you're inside and it's Jan, you know, if it's November, December, January, there's a lot of success, right? Like tons, and you're working and and then when it doesn't translate onto the field, I think people start questioning, well, why, what am I doing? Did I not train hard enough? Did I not do the right thing? I don't know that those are the cases. The bottom line is the game's really hard and nothing is promised, nothing's guaranteed. 
So take showcases and practices and things like that, and let's look at what they tell us. Um, when people ask me, the number one question I, I tell people, I, I, well, I kind of go back and forth on this. It seems like I get certain topics that have so many questions that I'll, I'll often say, well, the number one question I get asked, well, it's probably about 10 deep, but showcases are a big topic. And uh, you've heard more and more people very openly come out and call them money grabs and saying they're, they're, they're worthless. Well, they're not. That's not true. They are, they are, very, they are very important tools for a variety of reasons. But the truth of the matter is um, you have to be realistic about your showcase and, and what it does and, and what it does. So I don't tell anybody what to do, okay? So, for instance, I won't say, um, you know, I always ask these questions when people ask me. I'm like, well, is his exit speed 90 or better? Does he throw the ball off a mound you know, what's his velocity? Does he have velocity? And when I say does he have velocity, does he have plus velocity, you know, for his age? So, you know, for me to sit here and go, does he throw 90? Well, you know, most 15-year-old kids don't throw 90, right? But, you know, if you're a 15-year-old kid and you're already throwing 80, okay, then you're on your then, – then you're possibly on your way. Now, I've seen plenty of 15-year-old kids, kids that throw 80, and then by the time they're 18, they're throwing 83. So there again no guarantees, but my point is, whether you, you know, if if you have numbers and everybody knows what these numbers are relative to your situation. So I will use my son for example. He is going to his college showcase tomorrow. I know what he is. I I believe, and I I think most people that see him that know what they're doing would say he seems to be a really good defender. He seems to have real plus ability on the middle infield, which is a skill. Uh, he's very projectable at shortstop, which is a real skill, meaning that he has the arm to play shortstop and the feet. Not all kids do. You see all kinds of kids that are good defenders, and people think they naturally can play short. That's not true. Okay. Um, now, you have David Eckstein's of the world and people like that that kind of over outproduce what people believe they can do, and I love that kind of stuff. But for the masses, they, they, do, they have to lump kids in based off numerous things. So if you watch him, that's what you'd say. You'd say it really looks good. He has a decent arm. Like, like when he showcases, he's going to throw it across the diamond in the, you know, in the mid-80s, which for a 5'10", you know, 160-pound junior, that's going to be really strong. It's really strong anyway for that age. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. There will be some kids that might throw it harder, and they're out there. But that's really good, especially for that age. That's very projectable. Um, he will not run a sub-760, which is important for a middle infielder. It's really important for a middle infielder that doesn't have any power. Um, you know, will schools go, well, he's a 7-2, I'm not interested. No. But if you really want to open eyes, you've got to hit certain numbers based on where you're at in, in the game you know, and where you think you're going to go. So that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, well, what are your numbers? And they kind of, and then the defensive, well, I, you know, his numbers aren't that great, but he's a good player. And I'm like, okay, I, I get that. But the, the showcase doesn't show that you're a good player with bad numbers. The showcase, the exposure that you're supposed to get from a showcase, if you have poor numbers, is going to do what? It's going to expose the fact that you have bad numbers. Okay, now take the flip side. I know kids that do nothing but perform in games and can't get a look because their numbers at the showcases just aren't good enough. So now we got a little, as I love the whole, you know, the whole chicken and egg thing, what comes first, right? Now I've said this too. There's all kinds, there's different schools for everybody out there. Like are there schools out there for kids that do nothing but perform in games, but yet when they go to showcases, People kind of look and go, I don't know. Of course there are. Just like there are schools for kids that blow away showcases and don't always have success in games. I, the thing that I find interesting is that those schools that are usually the, the better schools, they'll take a kid all day long that blows away showcases and doesn't perform in games if he's quote-unquote projectable. I've seen it a thousand. I've I've seen it over and over and over again. Now, 
those school now here's what's interesting those schools also get the kid that dominates the showcase and dominates the games so guess what happens then then we get the kid that dominates the showcase that doesn't perform in games that shows up on campus as a freshman and there's 45 kids on the team and a year later he's transferring back somewhere and the reason the school does that is because they probably have about 15 kids that they bring in just like that kid that are strong numbers guys that may not have the success in games and a couple of them will work out and, and figure it out because that's the numbers. So I always tell people, you've got to be able to do it all if you want to play baseball at another level. So then let's let's revert all the way back to what I said at the very beginning. So what you know, how would you perceive this thing, especially when you're young? Well, I can promise you that, you know, if 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 you're training and you're not trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, and all you're doing is working on throwing, hitting, and fielding, well, you're only you're only doing half the equation. Okay? So you have an incomplete problem that you have to deal with. So now look at it the other way and say, oh, man, that's all. I mean, we spent the whole offseason lifting, running, throwing, taking batting practice, taking lessons. We got lessened up real good, right? And then they show up for their first game in April, and they haven't seen one live pitch except for from a coach in a BP setting. So I, I – I, what I'm basically saying here is all these things added together are a recipe. If you don't do them all are a recipe to do incomplete homework. So if your kid got an assignment and did a project, say, you know, we've all had the kid come home with project, right? And they get that. What do they call that? A, a Rubik or Rubik or whatever it is. Um, you know, they, they, it basically details out what they have to do. Right. Step-by-step, step, teachers do this. You know, you need this, you need this, you need this. And inevitably, your son, my daughter, my son or daughter will, 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 will do their project and they'll take it to school and they'll bring it home and they'll, they'll get a B. And you kind of sit there and go, how do you get a B on something that it says, this is what you have to do? Well, I don't know. I guess they didn't like how I drew it. And I'm like, no, that's not. They, teachers don't like look at it and go, their drawing skills aren't there or their coloring skills aren't there or their, <coughs> excuse me, their cutting skills or their gluing skills aren't there. It's all based on did you do what was required of you in the, in the, in the packet. And inevitably, if, if they didn't get an A, you'll go and look and they either skipped something or they did it and I'm sorry to use it, they did it half-ass, right? So and then we look at them and go, I don't know how you expect to get an A if you're not going to do all the work. Now, because that's homework, that comes out of our mouth real easy. So I don't understand why when it comes to sports, when we only do three-quarters or half of the real work required to be good at something, I don't understand how we look at kids and go, yeah, I don't know. And then it turns into what? Oh, you're getting a raw deal on this team. Oh, boy, this coach just doesn't like you. Oh, it's politics. Now, I'm not saying that's every time. I'm just saying this is how these things happen. But, but, but throw out all that noise and just look at your own personal situation. So now I get back to, to where I started, and, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, my son, who's going to be a junior in high school, who's fighting for a starting varsity spot. And, you know, his plan with the people he hits with uh, is to have a guy up on the mound and starting to throw to them this week. And this is a guy that's, you know, a young guy that pitched at a little college and, you know, he doesn't, you know, he throws about high school speed. And he's going to get on there and he's going to, they're going to, he's they're going to run through sessions and take at bats. It cannot hurt you. Okay. Can, can a ball get away from this guy and hit one of these kids? Sure it can. It can happen in practice. It could happen in a scrimmage. It could happen in a game. And it's part of the game. Now, if my kid shows up there next week, <coughs> I apologize for this cough that I can't get rid of, just like most of the Midwest. 
Now, if my kid shows up there next week and gets drilled in the hand and breaks his hand, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be mad. But I'm not going to be mad at him or mad at this guy. I'm not going to be upset at him or this guy. I'm just going to be generally mad and upset because it stinks. But I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, if we wouldn't have done this, he wouldn't have got hurt. Well, you know what else? If we wouldn't have done it, he may not have been good enough either. And sooner or later, you got to go play. Now, what's funny is I just said about five minutes ago that for some guys, they don't really have to play very well. But I'm talking about guys that blow away the numbers, if that makes sense. You know, we all know it. We've all seen it. Kids that throw over 90 on the mound get a chance. Now, there's more and more kids throwing over 90, so it's it's kind of it's it's kind of trickled down, right? So the kid that's the kid that's 90, 91 that struggles to throw a strike, you know, he doesn't go to the big time schools anymore, unless he's got other. You know, listen, don't th- these aren't hard and fast rules. I'm talking in general, because let's face it, man. When I was in high school, if you threw over 90, I mean, all the top schools were all over you if you were in high school. Okay, now. You know, you need multiple pitches. Uh, it, you know, if you need to be a little bit higher than just 90-91, and you need to be able to control it. And again, these aren't hard and fast rules. I mean, there's kids that are 91, and you know, they might be six foot four, and they see a ton in the tank, and they bring them in. But like I said, don't be surprised when you know you you get your hopes up because you are 91 and you're six foot five and you know, Oklahoma State comes calling and you show up on campus the first day of fall workouts or show up to whatever it is they do and there's 25 pitchers. And they all and and they all throw 91 or above and some of them have pinpoint control and some of them have three nasty pitches. And you're staring there looking at seven other guys just like you. And you don't have to be a math major to do the to do the math and know there's just not enough innings here to go around. So what they've done is is they've recruited a bunch of guys and brought them in to compete for, like, one spot. And let me tell you something, folks. There ain't nothing better than competition. Competition's great. It's great for you. It's great for your growth. It's really good for the program. How, they can't lose. So, you know, that's a, that's a conversation for another day about knowing what you're getting yourself into when you choose a school. But, you know, again, the whole purpose of this thing is to understand this conversation today based on talks that I've had with people. And again, they've been sparked by where we're at in this offseason of, you know, that fine line of mixing in performance, uh, practice, presentation, which is to me a showcase. Like the, your, the presentation of your skills is done at like a showcase. There's other ways to present your skills. Schools are going to come see. You know, typically the way the thing works is if you go to a showcase – Okay, and you have some good numbers on some things, uh, and you get quote unquote on a radar of people, then they come and watch you. But you know, <clears throat> I'll use my son as an example because again, I like to just use my kids, and they they've come to grips with that. I don't try to talk about other kids on the show. But if Logan goes to this showcase this weekend and does really well, like, you know, you've listen, most people have seen one. If you haven't seen one, I can tell you what they do. They run. Very first thing they do is run after they stretch. They run. It's the first thing they do. Okay. Then they play catch. Uh, they do defensive work. So, you know, if you're an outfielder, they do a, you know, they hit you ball. They, they do a thing where they, they let them test their arm strength and they, you know, they do what you can do inside, right? Like, they'll hit some balls and let them charge them. And, you know, the guys get a little – what they're really looking for from an outfielder in a showcase is they want to know what they ran, and then they want to know what their arm strength is. And that's that's about what you're going to get out of a showcase from an outfielder. Okay? For an infielder, uh, it looks different because it's easier to do real infield work inside and they do. They hit them. You know, they hit balls at them to their left, to their right. But what they're really doing is they're watching them, sure, and they do a little nice thing if you're a smooth, you know. But they're really going to check the the arm velocity across the infield. So what I can tell you, I I can probably get pretty close. Like my guess is tomorrow that my son will, you know, 
whoever's evaluating him on the infield will write that he's really smooth, good hands, projectable middle infielder, blah, blah, blah. Um, my guess is he'll throw somewhere. If he has a good day, he'll throw 85 across the diamond. If he has a down day, you know, it'll probably be 81. Um, so it's over 80. So that's, you know, for a kid his size and his age, that's that's pretty good, um, which will be a plus for him. But I also think he'll run anywhere from a 7-2 to a 7-4 in the 60, which won't be good enough to open up any eyes. I think off the tee, he'll be low 80s. Not good enough, and and when I say not good enough, let me let me let me let me tell you what I mean by this. Nobody's gonna look at his showcase thing when it's over with and go, "I got to get down to Edwardsville and watch this kid play." Okay, now does that mean there's not schools for him to go to? No, uh, I, for him personally, I think we've decided he's a great candidate for a junior college for a variety of reasons, and by his own, by his own work, you know his grades are not there to go to a non-junior college school and get any academic money. We all know the baseball money's not there, and anybody that tells you any different is fibbing. That's going to be a whole nother show because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about the quote-unquote full rides that people like to put in the paper. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not there. He is a late bloomer from growth age. He's going to graduate one of the youngest kids in his senior class. Um, shame on mom and dad on that one. But um, he's a great junior college candidate. And I, and I know by watching him, and I've seen enough to know that he'll be a good junior college player as long as he continues to progress. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's doing the showcase for for two reasons. Number one, you got to do you got to start somewhere, and then you know you got to you got to do it because you got to sooner or later you got to see where you sit. You can talk about it sometimes. But you got to go do it. So see, that's the flip side of this whole thing. I tell people all the time. Number one, kids like to experience things and they like to do things. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh well, don't fall into the money grab trap. Well, I, I, okay, I've spent money on worse, and everybody can ch- pick and choose what they want to do, and I get that. My son needs to see where he sits. Okay. Um, uh, how do you have anything to strive for as a player? It's okay for mom and dad to want to be better, but the kid's got to strive for more. What's been my experience, that if you really want somebody to reach for something and do for something, you got to go out there and you got to set the, set the goal somewhere. So if my kid shows up Saturday and he realizes that he's average – compared to other kids, and you look him in the eye and say, do you really want to do this? And he really wants to do it, then he's going to realize how much harder he's got to work. So that's not always bad when you don't have the numbers. You just got to be smart about it. Then you got to add in the thing that you got to, you got to add in some sort of training, some sort of work, some sort of effort level, some sort of participation that then turns you into a doer on the field. And that's how we find, a, that's how we get a player. So then let, let's let take it all the way now and, and take my son, for example. Over the course of the next uh, – I'm going to do some quick math here. March, April, May, June, July. Over the And then he'll take a little time off and then he'll – and for him, being a senior is why I'm doing this. So five, six, seven, eight. So for him, over the course of the eight to, eight to nine months or big eight, nine months for him because what he is going to have the ability to do is go out and play a lot of baseball and he will wind up playing in front of junior colleges – and his own coaches that will then make recommendations to the correct junior colleges for him to go play. And if the showcase is the tool that makes him work harder, that puts him in a position so he can see what his strengths and weaknesses are, there's nothing wrong with that. So people can say, well, yeah, but Jim, it seems like you've got a pretty good handle on it. Isn't that good enough? No, it's not. He needs to hear it from somebody official. And and seeing's believing, folks. So that's why I don't mind showcases as bad as everybody. If you don't have numbers and you're going to multiple showcases, then that's crazy. Because once you realize where you sit, you might as well say, well, I better do something to improve before I go back. So that's where I sit on that. But I'm going to tell you, if you have a team right now, and as far as how you take all of that and then, and then put it impactful into how it works into your season – if you're not beginning to practice right now to play, 
well, then you're doing yourself a disservice because what you basically turned your team into is a showcase team. There's nothing wrong with having your kids pitch to one another as soon as you can. There's nothing wrong with doing game situations as soon as you can. There's nothing wrong with having some of those practices like that. It's great, listen, practices where everybody's moving and everybody's working and nobody's standing around and nobody is are great. But you've also got to have some, too, where you play live situations, whether it be the pitchers, the hitters, the fielders, everything. You've got to have them, okay? That's why you got to be willing to put in the work. you got to be willing to put in the time. But there's, no, in my opinion, there's nothing better for young people than to start seeing it out of the hand from a com, in a competitive situation as soon as they can. You're going to have your pitchers throwing anyway. You should have your pitchers on a six-week program before they throw their first competitive pitch in a game. And if that's the case, you know, at least a couple weeks out before your first game, they can get up on the mound and throw, you know, a reasonable number of competitive pitches. Now, listen, you can't send them out there and throw 50, 60 pitches, throw four in it. You know, that's not what you do. I'm not saying that. But if you're, if you're going to have a kid throw a 25- or 30-pitch bullpen – Put him out there and let him throw. Let him throw 15 pitches and then sit down for a few minutes and have somebody else throw and then have him get back up and throw 15 more to hitters. What's wrong with that? There's a different way to do this based on age, experience level, all those types of things. And, you know, the people that come on my show are more than happy to assist. There's all kinds of people out there that they're an email away, a phone call away. And you can do a lot of research on it yourself. It's out there. Just make sure you validate what you're reading and what you're doing. But getting them prepared to play in a competitive environment is, is paramount. That's just my opinion. One of the guys that's uh, tops at getting kids ready to play is our good friend Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv. I would recommend you guys uh, give it a listen. I'd love to have, uh, love to have you guys check out EliteBaseball.tv because it's, uh, it's one of the best training tools uh, in the country, in the world, in my opinion, whether you're a coach whether you're a trainer, whether you're a player or co or a uh, or, or parent, uh, it's ninety nine dollars a year to be the you know you've all spent way more ninety nine dollars on things. I'm telling you, if I was gonna to buy one thing and I had a hundred dollars in my name, it'd be EliteBaseball.tv. Let's hear from my good friend Justin Stone with his training tip of the week. Question for you: Different sport. If I'm a runner and I'm training and I'm practicing running, how do I know if I'm getting better? What would be the first thing we would do to test that if a runner is getting better? The first thing we would do, simply, is we time them. And whatever race it is, we're going to time them to see if there's progress being made. And what is that? That's an assessment. That's a test. Then why in baseball, when we're doing ground balls all offseason, we're working in a cage, you're working on the pitcher's mound, why do we not assess whether we're getting better or not? And who's determining whether we're getting better? And what does better mean? Well, the same thing has to take place. A simple, well, that feels good, or your coach or instructor saying, looks good to me, oh yeah, that's better, may pump up your ego. But how do we truly define what better is? And we have to put objective numbers against that. So I'm going to give you a couple different scenarios here in different training scenarios of how we can mark improvement. One, are we getting stronger? The off-season's the most important time for our nutrition and our strength-building phases. So in the weight room, obviously we can mark, am I getting stronger by seeing, am I able to complete more reps or can I lift more weight? With nutrition, am I putting on healthy weight? Get on a scale, that's an objective number. But again, when I go back to baseball, that swing looks good is not an objective number. And although our coach may be, like I said, pumping you up and feeding your ego, we have to put some objective numbers against that. So here's two ways to test that when we're in a batting cage. One, we are marking exit velocity. Exit velocity is going to tell us, if you're working on your swing for power purposes, am I getting faster with my exit velocity of the ball? Marking your bat speed with a, a, a sensor like Diamond Kinetics. Am I seeing that the bat speed is improving? And those things are going to go up and down at times, but we want to see somewhat of a line that's showing improvement and gaining of speed. But one of the hardest things to do to mark performance in a batting cage is determine whether you're truly becoming a better hitter or not. Because oftentimes we're working off of a tee, building our swing, I'm doing some sort of front toss, and again, we see that the ball's coming off the bat and it feels good, but the true test is in a game, in a competition. And in a competition, the ball is coming a lot harder, and we're having to just react, and then, we, of course, uh, we're seeing what the ball's doing in a game that determines my level of performance. 
So how can we do that in a cage setting? Well, we have to compete there too. We have to go against live setting bagging practice from time to time, and it doesn't have to be all the time, but that's a way that we're going to assess where we're at right now. There's time in the batting cage where I'm working on thinking. I'm saying in this drill, we're thinking and feeling. I want you to be reflective of what your body feels like. Then when we do our front toss, we still have a, a level of comprehension of what I'm trying to get done with my body and what that feels like. But when I'm going against that live test, which is batting practice, changing speeds, and throwing hard, that's the assessment, that's reaction, that's game-like. And that's how you can make your practice setting more game-like and beneficial to see, are we truly making progress? It's not meant to frustrate you. It's seeing, where are we? Are we truly gaining any progress there? And it has to be evaluated in a testing setting because oftentimes in the off-season, you're not playing games, and that's fine. Training time is important, but during training time, if you're not assessing what's going to happen as we get it out on the field, we felt good all off-season, then all of a sudden in the game we're failing, and I have Johnny's dad coming back to the cage in panic mode because we spent all this money and time in the off-season, and it's not showing up initially in a game. And there's other factors that can go into that with anxiety, uh, adrenaline, even depth perception, differences from indoors to outdoors that come about. A lot of things that come into factor there. But if we're not assessing during the year, by going live off the mound, throwing strikes, checking velocity, doing it in a cage, or putting competition in your ground ball routine, then we don't really know if we're getting better. So that's the one thing I have for this off season. Don't just work on your fundamentals. Work on your fundamentals, test and assess, and do that periodically to see if you truly are getting better. Till next time, this is Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff as always. They never disappoint, whether it's Travis Kerber or Justin Stone. They're tops in the game, and I love what they do. That's EliteBaseball.tv with their training tip of the week. It's going to do it for us here on Youth Baseball Talk. I want to remind you one last time, check us out at YouthBaseballTalk.com. Don't forget at PodcastBaseball on Twitter. If you're involved in baseball, follow us back. If you're interested in doing some blogging work or writing work for Youth Baseball Talk, contact us through there. I'd uh, love to chat with you about it and let you know what we're looking for. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Youth Baseball Talk, like our page, invite your friends to like it as well. We'd appreciate it. Special thanks goes out to my partners at theropetrainer.com. Uh, one last time, Kurt McNabb Baseball, Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Of course, my friend J Justin Stone and his EliteBaseball.tv. And, of course, all the fans for tuning in each and every week. Thank you to lineupmedia.fm, home of the newest streaming platform, Yo Radio. Make sure you download it today. It is free on your mobile device. And if you're going to do your Amazon shopping, make sure you do it through YouthBaseballTalk.com. Special thanks to everybody out there for listening to the show. We'll see you at the game. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.